You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. The fastest two-year-old of his crop, not this time. Giants Causeway's most brilliant two-year-old ever and a half-brother to Liam's map, sire of two grade one winners in his first crop. TDN said, too talented a horse with too good a pedigree to pass up. The time is now. Don't let this moment pass you by. Not this time, a tailor-made stallion. Not this time, full of run in the Iroquois. Look for his first two-year-olds this year. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Horse Ownership Experience. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. Alongside of me, from parts unknown, as always, the wonderful, the talented, the beautiful, the smart, the and I like to say intelligent, but that's just overbearing. Michelle Yu, thank you for joining us. Wait, thank should you. I say Michelle Hansen? No, I'm still, I'm still Michelle Yu. You're still Michelle Yu. That's like your professional name, right? It's my professional name. It's because, you know, I mean, inclusion and all that. Right, right. <laughs> Before we get started, uh, this is going to go up tonight on Tuesday. I hope everybody out there has a very happy and healthy Thanksgiving. I know everyone out there has been through a lot this year uh, with the COVID-19 experience and... Uh, we're thankful. Are you going to do a Thanksgiving, Billy? Yeah, just very small. Okay. Very small. My my mom, my sister, her little family, and and that's it. So, um, very very small. Okay. But we're gonna have a turkey. Well, Are I would you? hope so. Yeah, it's actually third Thanksgiving. It's Spencer's birthday, so oh. we're just having a little dinner at the house, and then Wednesday we're going to my mom's uh, and doing a little Thanksgiving there. Well, happy birthday, Spencer. We have Michelle. We have a great guest today. This has become. I didn't know anything about this guy except his voice for years, and now we've become very good friends. I think we're going to find out this summer. Uh, we, we hung out many times. We've had many dinners together, and he is, in my point of view, uh, my perspective, the, the best race call announcer in the business. Mr. Larry Colmes is joining us. Larry! Yay! Thanks for coming on the show. Hey there. How's everybody doing? Well, we're good. We are okay. You know, we are. What? I think I think we're good. I think we're great. Sorry. Okay. Like, I should have been more level, excited. Yeah. The Larry, how of more importantly, Larry, there. how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm a little sad that my uh, my Delmar experience is wrapping up for the season. You know, it's been so much fun over the summer, and then and then this meet. But uh, we're gonna go out with a bang this weekend, and uh, then I'll head home to Jersey and go from there. But uh, I'm doing really well and, and having fun out here with you guys. And it's been uh, been a terrific year as far as uh, what it uh, turned out to be. It didn't start out that <laughs> right. way. But, but right now it's, you know, despite the fact that uh, COVID and all that other stuff, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be out here with you guys and, and having a good time. Well, we enjoy having you out here. And, but, and, but we're going to go over all the weekend races later in the program. But before we do that, let's, I, I'm sure, I mean, I want to know, and you and I have talked, but I'd love to get a little, give our uh, listeners a little bit of, of your past. And how does one become a, a race announcer? How did it all start? Well, in my case, uh, I grew up in Maryland. My father was the guy that put in the sound system at the Maryland State Fair at Timonium. And I would go to work with him in the summer, kind of help him out uh, with uh, not only the track, but, uh, you know, the exhibitions and all that stuff that went on during the fair at Timonium. And, uh, you know, he, he quickly found out that I was mechanically incompetent and that it was just, uh, you know, no use having me try to do anything other 
than to monitor the sound of the track and make sure it was okay, turn it up and down. And during that time, I completely fell in love with horse racing. And uh, not just the racing itself, but the people. I just kind of felt right away that I belonged in this crowd of lunatics that was at the track. <laughs> and I'm like, this is fun. And uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to have a, a career in racing. And so I started watching all these replay shows. Back then, there was no simulcasting. This was 19, you know, early 1980s. And uh, so I'm watching the that Sharon Smith show they used to have on ESPN where they would show all the big stakes races. Yes. From the, and I'd listen to all these different announcers and, and uh, you know, I, I would get a kind of a, a good feel for, for all these different guys, do impressions of them in the press box. And then one, one day, the Clem Florio of the Washington Post uh, came up to me and he says, hey, you should try to do this for real. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? You know, so <laughs> I, uh, so I got a, I got advice to get a pair of binoculars and a tape recorder. And the fellow that ran the press box in Maryland at the time, a guy named Eddie McMullen, uh, he was uh, very helpful in getting me a room where I could call races for practice. And so I did that for uh, for quite a while. By the way, my home phone here is ringing. That's okay. We no, we, yeah, we don't care. It, it, yeah. we, it doesn't bother us. I knew it was going. And no one cares. Yeah. It, just just yeah. keep oh, talking. Wait, so not the president yeah. calling you directly. I, I don't want, know anyone else that has a landline. I, I, I no, want to say I want to say I, something really I, quick, I, really quick here. Printing, you know. Oh yeah, really quick. The yeah, for people who have never done this, I tried this when I was about seventeen. I did the same thing, Larry. I got a pair of binoculars, I got a microphone, and I just went to the track and I sat by myself and I tried to just call races. It's impossible. Okay. So it's so hard, and you make it look so easy. Now continue on. So you start. So I you start so doing I start this. Calling for practice, you know, and, and you know uh, during the summer, and then on the weekends, I would go to the mile tracks, Pimlico, Laurel, Bowie, and and call into you know a little room and and uh, practice. And then one day, uh, Chick Lang, who was the general manager at Pimlico, uh, heard me practicing. Uh, his son was the publicity director, and he says, "Who's that up there?" calling races. They said, that, oh, that's that's a kid, Larry. He wants that's to be an announcer. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so anyway, so Chick said, well, let's get him started. You know, let's have him call one a day uh, over the mic. And so uh, they were going to run their last meet ever at Bowie in the uh, summer of 1985. And they, uh, they had me begin there by calling one race a day and uh, continued on as the backup announcer in Maryland for two years. And then... Uh, Chick Lang Jr. headed down to Birmingham, Alabama uh, to be the uh, marketing director at the Birmingham Turf Club in 1987. And he said, you want to be the announcer? I was 20 years old. And uh, I said, you better believe I do. And, uh, and that's how it all started. That was wow. my first time gig. And people in California might remember that a million years ago, right after that, I called it Golden Gate for four years from uh, 88 to 91 before I headed back east. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've been kind of all over the place ever since, and, uh, I never thought I'd get to the level that I've been able to reach. And, uh, it's, it's been a, a wild ride of, uh, you know, highs and lows, but it, it, right now we're, we're having a good time. So Larry, when you're sitting in that room with your binoculars practicing and it started to become a reality that you could be a race caller, where was your goal track or what was your dream race to get to call? I just wanted to call races at the time. You know, I, mm -hmm. I didn't have any huge aspirations. Uh, never, you know, in a million years did I think I'd 
end up calling the Kentucky Derby, uh, which I've done now 10 times, unbelievably. That's wow. crazy. But it's, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I just wanted, I was just a kid, wanted to call races. And, and, I, and, and uh, I, I just remembered uh, one day in the press box at, at Pimlico, there was this old uh, radio guy, famous in Baltimore, named Charlie Ekman. And he was always this guy that would speak his mind about everything. Uh, and he, uh, he said to me one day, he says, kid, says, you're going to make it in this game, but it ain't going to be here. <laughs> and, and basically, he basically he was saying, you know, you should start getting out of here. Go to other places. Right. That's, and that's right. What it was complimentary. It, it meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's, yeah. but that was how he would say stuff. You know, that's but so this. cool. Larry Coleman is joining us here on the I, horse. I have a experience. list. Go ahead. Of, uh, of like a whole bunch of questions real quick to ask Larry. And okay. it's kind of like a quick question segment. Quick question. Okay? Quick, we're, calling right. this section, we're, we're calling this segment Quick Questions with Michelle. Go. All right. Larry, what is your favorite race call you've ever done? Uh, American Pharaoh winning the Triple Crown. No, no doubt about it. That also would fill in this next question. What's the most prestigious call <laughs> you've ever done? It would be that one again. <laughs> Wait, yeah, but wait, uh, hold on a second. Was that the that was the call that they've now shown on video, Larry, where you're you're pumping your fists and you're really getting into it, right? That's not the Breeders' Cup Grand Slam, am I right? That's the the Triple Crown. The one that I the one that NBC showed was the Breeders' Cup. Okay, um, the Breeders' Cup Classic. No, Larry's you. Triple Crown was, and they're in the stretch, and Pharaoh has his run for glory. Frosted is second, right? <laughs> that was Frosted's it. all out. Here it is. The 37-year wait is over. That was a great call. Now, wait a second. Before you go into Michelle's quick questions, yeah. let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Because sure. um, uh, preparing for a race like that, uh, where you have so much on the line, I can only imagine, I think you and I have discussed it off air, but when you're when you're when you're preparing for this, are there certain lines like that 37 year wait is over, whatever that you have prepped? I'd, I'd be completely lying if I said no. Okay. Uh, so don't know, lie. <laughs> so basically, basically uh, I, you know, it, I was trying to, a couple of people were talking and, you know, trying to get in my head saying, ah, oh, you know, something like that. Or, you should just wing it, you know, just, and, and I remember sitting uh, down with Tom Hammond, the longtime host of the races on NBC who I, you know, admired and, and, and still do to this day. Um, and I said, Tom, what do you think? And he said, Larry, says, you're about to call a moment of history and you better have the right thing to say. Very <laughs> wise. Very yeah. wise. And I was like, That's what I thought, you know. And so, so my, my thought process was at the time, well, what is everybody thinking if this happens? You know, what, what is, you know, what is the feeling and it's the 37 year wait is over. Finally, the one. Yeah. And that's what made it into the race call, because that's what I I thought everybody would, you know, and I, there's no reason to get cute. That's what people are thinking. And, and you know, just just kind of go with it. And, you know, I, I thought about run for glory, you know, different different things like that, just to, you know, make sure that the, the call was special and. Uh, and hopefully it no, was. It, it was special. I know the how I know it's special. Was good too. He's got a five, six length lead, a triple crown winner, a Breeders' Cup winner, the horse of a lifetime. I mean, yeah. listen, you're a huge Larry Colmas fan. <laughs> I've just I've heard these race calls. It's like the Zenyatta call, right? Right. Like, but you know these how these are just ones you hear so much. Right. But you know how you know something special is when Larry was just talking about it. I had the chills. 
So yeah. you know that that's special. All right, let's go back to quick questions with Michelle. Go. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> have there ever been race calls that you just hated? Like afterwards, you were like, "Oh, that sucked." Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, probably the biggest one of them all would was when uh, was a spectacular race that I got to call, and I wanted back so bad. Oh, I know. Uh, Wait, can I guess? Yeah. Songbird. Right. Well, behold. <laughs> Behold for beating Songbird, yes. which I was right about. That part was great. I called the photo right. Yes. But I, but it was another situation where the the what I wanted to say didn't come out, and it was like this race is living up to its expected power. And as soon as I said that, I'm thinking, well, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then by, by the time that thought got to my head, they hit the wire. And I said, it's Beholder. You know, and, it, it turned out to be the you know uh, an inch. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you so it's but for you. I'm sorry, Michelle. I know this is quick questions, but I have follow ups. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> we can interrupt. Sure. Are you okay, no, no, Michelle? With because this is Go a new ahead. segment for us, so I don't know quite it's how no it works. Quick questions. It is quick questions and follow up. And follow up. Okay. So my my, I guess Larry, because that were you did you had something prepared for that race too, or was that just what came to your head and. I imagine that sometimes, even for you, you get caught up in the moment because that race was unbelievable. I mean, the two two of the greatest fillies and mares we've ever seen, uh, just you know, ding donging for the entire stretch. Yeah, I mean, and and it it was something that uh, because it didn't come out the way I I wanted it to. I I've always I've, I've always had it in my head that don't let that happen again. And and if you know, I was thinking about the matchup a similar matchup this year between Swiss skydiver and Monomoy girl. And it just never materialized because Swiss skydiver stumbled out of the gate, you know, yeah. but I was ready for ready for that. And expected power was not going to happen again. <laughs> Put it that way. Okay. Back to quick questions with Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> what race has been the most pressure to call? Was it maybe your first race? Was it one of these big races? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I would have to say, Probably the first time I called the Kentucky Derby, okay. uh, you know, because it's the Kentucky Derby, you know, and, and and luckily for me, I only had about two weeks to prepare for it because uh, Tom Durkin, you know, made his decision that he no longer wanted to call the Triple Crown in April, and they uh, they reached out to me, and it was it was an unbelievable experience. I I remember being in the booth at Gulfstream, and uh, when the phone call came from Fred Gadelli, the producer at the time of the Triple Crown, who also produces Sunday Night Football. And he, uh, I, I have to tell the story because it's so cool. No, tell so, it. That's why so we're here. Fred, so Fred uh, calls me up and he says, hey, uh, you know, I'm looking for Larry Colmas. And I said, well, this is Larry. And he said, well, this is Fred Gadelli from NBC Sports and wanted to talk to you about something. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he's going to ask if they can use my call, the Florida Derby for the show or whatever, you yeah. know. And, and he says, uh, we want to see if you're interested in calling the Kentucky Derby for us. And I paused for a second and I said, well, that's Tom Durkin's gig. And he said, yeah, he says, Tom is stepping down. It's not public yet, uh, but we really are interested in you and we'd like to meet you. So I had to wait like four days for a dark day at Gulfstream and flew up to New York to uh, 30 Rock, where uh, wow. NBC Sports headquarters were at the time. And meet with Fred and, and the executive producer for NBC Sports, Sam Flood, and uh, Rob Hyland, who's now our producer. We all met, had lunch. I was prepared for their questions. I knew what kind of things they would ask me and 
and uh, I, th I think they were happy with my answers. And and then they they sent me back to Fred's office, where they made plans to fly me back to Florida, get me on a, a you know a cab or a, a car to get back to LaGuardia and get home. Uh, so anyway, uh, as I'm waiting, this guy walks into the office, and I immediately see that it's Dick Ebersol, wow, uh, yeah, the head of NBC Sports, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh wow, boy, this, this is big. So. <laughs> Ebersole walks into Fred's office and said, hey, you know, Fred, well, look at, you know, the Monday night or the Sunday night football schedule just came out. Look at these games we have. You know, we got this game. We got that game. And he and Fred's like, yeah, it's going to be good. He said, by the way, uh, you know, Dick, this is this is Larry. We're talking to him about, you know, replacing Durkin. And uh, he's like, oh, OK. So but we got this game <laughs> and that game. And then and so so finally Ebersole starts walking out of the office and he turns around. And he goes, oh, Larry, by the way, do you believe us now? <laughs> and, and so he had, he had heard about my skepticism on their right. phone conversation. And, and the whole idea was he did want to meet me. And, he, you know, he pretended he didn't. That's and, awesome. uh, and it was just that night I flew back to Florida. I'm at uh, I'm meeting my friend for uh, for dinner, picked me up at the airport. And uh, I remember I had to go to the bathroom first and I'm. I'm in the bathroom, and I see the my cell phone starts ringing, and I recognize the number. Uh, I'll never forget it was two one two four 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 four. Oh yeah, and normal number. I said, yeah, and I'm like, write that oh. down. We're all calling it now. <laughs> and so I, so I, I pick up the phone, and and it's Fred. He says, I just wanted to call and welcome you to NBC Sports. Wow. Oh. And, and I remember I just. I finished what I had to do, and then I, ran, <laughs> I ran outside and screamed at the top of my lungs. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, it was just so you it, played it, was, it really cool. Yeah, so it was like, oh my god, that's you awesome! Know? That's a great story. It Larry, life changing, life changing experience. You know? Yeah. No, Michelle. Any more quick questions? Yes, I okay, do. Go ahead. Okay, Larry. Do you know how many races you've called? Yeah, I, I am not one to count. I've never. Uh, Never got into that um, a lot. I'd say, you know, at, at least I, I would say at least fifty thousand, but I but I don't keep track. You know. Okay. Do you what know is, Michelle? I, no, I do not know. Oh, I, do not I, know. I thought, you, I thought this was like a trivia thing. Go ahead. No, no, I was I, just a question. I okay. wanted to know. Okay. Um, what is the your favorite go to phrase that you use? I guess, and they're into the stretch. Yeah, that's his okay. thing. Yeah, yeah, we talked about Because he's like, my job's almost over for this race. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Billy's um, thinking other lines for me down the road, but we haven't come up with anything Yeah, we're yet. working on it. Okay. <laughs> um, have you ever had any of those, uh, the mic was hot type moments? Uh, yeah, I had one at Del Mar just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it wasn't my fault because the, the, the microphone that I, the mic switch that I had was turned off. But they were using a separate microphone that was not turned off. And as soon as the right about the 16th hole, I had to cough really bad. And I got <laughs> through the call, turned off the mic and had a coughing fit. And then all of a sudden I'm getting these tweets like, are you OK? And I'm like, Wait a minute, the mic is off. And so I, I called our TV truck and they're like, yeah, we that that's on us. Uh, I, I said, that can't happen again. You know, when I turned that mic off, no. it's off. It's all because right? God knows what I say. You know, I, put the mic off. <laughs> I can't believe that horse won. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there goes my is, try. Who yeah. is your favorite race caller? 
My favorite race caller, I, you know, I'm going to be very uh, politically correct in, in shouting out to both uh, Durkin and Trevor Denman uh, and Dave Johnson, actually. The three of them, to me, uh, you know, Dave growing up was the guy that called the Triple Crown and down the stretch they come and, and right. got everybody pumped up and, and uh, you know, just had these legendary calls. And then Durkin and Denman came along and they sort of changed the way races were called got more descriptive and, and you know, told stories and things like that. And, and, uh, and I really, really loved listening to both of them, uh, you know, on a, on a regular basis and, uh, you know, have total admiration for both guys. I have a, uh, can I follow up? Can I yes. interrupt Michelle? Your, mm -hmm. the Michelle uh, quick <laughs> question segment. Interesting enough. So you named three, obviously people that we grew up with, or I at least grew up with. And right. Larry, I'm curious, I'm curious, what did you take from, can you name, like, can you be specific on something? Hey, I, I might've taken this from Trevor, or I might've taken this from Durkin, or I might've taken this from Dave Johnson, because obviously, uh, uh, you know, uh, it is the sincerest form of flattery, right? Um, are there, is, are there things, or is this just like, Hey, I'm Larry Colmes. This is how I do it. I honestly would say that it's impossible not to take things from other guys. Um, and it, a lot of times you don't realize you do it. It's, it sort of comes into, it comes into uh, your head and these different things that you hear. And for me, I, I think if I listen back to my old days of calling it Golden Gate, I sounded like an American trying to sound like Trevor Denman. Interesting. Uh, and then when I was calling it Monmouth, I sounded like an American trying to, you know, be Tom Durkin, which who was also American, by the way. Sure. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, over the, over the years, you know, then you you develop, you develop, you develop, and you become you. And it's and I think it, it takes a while for for that to happen. Um, and it's it's a natural process. I mean, there are other announcers I've heard stuff from that I'm sure have taken. I grew up with Marshall Cassidy. I mean, he oh. to me he was you know great too. You know, and, and he's become a good friend. And it's um, you just you just all these all these things get in your head, and and they all help you become you. Can you do a Marshall Cassidy impression? I can indeed, but lady, there online <laughs> there. Igor has the lead by a bottle. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And the, you know what? And, and for people like us that love the game, and I know you love the game, I know Michelle does, and I certainly do, or I wouldn't be doing this. Um, but there are there's so many memorable calls. Like what you just said, it brings me back right away to like ruffian and foolish pleasure. You know, when you say, when I think of Harry Henson, were you familiar with Harry Henson? I wasn't familiar with Harry Henson for sure. And here they come. Here they come. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's interesting what you said because it really has changed. And I'm curious, um, how have what what about your process and what you've how you have changed from let's say year two of really officially calling races to now? Where would you think you are are better, or and what have you changed in your not only your process but your actually actual race calling? Well, it's it's a good question because it. I think you're always your own worst critic, and and uh, so it's it's hard for me to say. And, and I've always been a, I've always been a believer in a, a race call is only as good as the race itself, you know, uh, because you you have to 
you have to react to what you see on on the track. And if it's a really exciting race, you're going to be really excited. But I, I think over the years, I think my and then this is kind of a, another natural thing. My voice has gotten better, gotten stronger, uh, a little deeper. Um, and it, and it's something that I because of that, I, I think it that gives you a little bit more confidence, too, in your race calls. And I think my confidence has gone up over the years. Uh, I'm, I'm less nervous calling the Kentucky Derby. I still am nervous because you'd be a, a robot if you weren't calling that race. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that you I think that overall, uh, you know, because because I get the chance to call all these great races, you, you feel like, OK, now I've I've made it to this level. Now I can have fun with it, you know, and and, you know, it's we were talking earlier about, you know, off the air about, you know, how Del Mar is different than than other tracks. And Saratoga is the same way. Like I would I kind of get to know my audience. So like Saratoga would be different than Belmont as far as and it could be two races that look exactly the same. But because one is at Saratoga, you might just be having a little bit more fun with it because there's so many people there sure. and you see all those people, you know, and it, it, it's just, uh, I think in time you, you learn how to just be you and, and, you know, wing it and go for it at that point, you know, but, but you always have to be super prepared at the same time. How much prep work goes into each race, Larry? And what do you, are you the person that reads the name over and over? Are you a colorer? So I have an iPad that, uh, but I was never a colorer, but I got an iPad, which I absolutely love. And I, at the beginning of the day or the night before, depending on when I have time, it's usually the beginning of the day, I will color in the silks of every horse on the card. And I will have that uh, on a PDF file on my iPad. And, uh, you know, so I think that's a big help to identify the horses once they come onto the track. Now, a few times the silks aren't right and I have to make changes, but that's mm -hmm. okay. But, um, yeah, so I do that and there's, it's, there's, there's so much memory involved, you know, it's, it's a short term memory. Uh, I keep repeating the names, uh, when they come onto the track, uh, and get them in my head. And when I feel like I can say every name without looking down at that iPad, I feel like I'm pretty much ready to go. Uh, you also need preparation, uh, before the races, uh, about pronunciations, uh, you know, and that's always a, a process. Uh, of making sure you get names right. And I'm a stickler when it comes to that. So, you know, if I, if I always, always tell owners, by the way, if you're, if your horses that get a difficult name to pronounce, don't tell me after the race, tell me before the race. Makes, <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a yeah. lot of sense. Uh, say, well, you mispronounced my horse's name. Well, well tell me in advance. And I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Seems simple. Larry, we, going back to Michelle's quick questions, because I have one quick question for you, just historically speaking, because you mentioned all these great announcers. Is there one call that oh, you love? List, oh, that was on your list? Sorry. What is the <laughs> best call not made by you? Yes. Uh, I would say that my particular favorite is the Travers in 1994 called by Tom Dirk and won by Holy Bull. Oh. Um, and one of the main reasons for that is because Holy Bull was one of my favorite horses of all time. And Tom, I mean, his line at the top of the stretch when Concern began to make his move, there is cause for concern, is just freaking genius. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, that is so great. And then the stretch run, you know, 
was just so powerful. And at the very end, he says, holy bull wins. What a hero. And that's exactly what I was thinking. That's my hero, holy bull. And, you know, great call, Tom, you know, and, and, but it, his other call that was magnificent uh, and talk about preparing uh, was when real quiet, you know, hit hit the fire with victory gallop. Yes. And he said, a picture is worth a thousand words. This one is worth $5 million. Yes. That was, Oh my God, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, Tom, you know, Tom's had some spectacular ones. I mean, Trevor's freaking Zenyatta call when she won the classic was that goes down as one of the all time greats. Uh, the this is unbelievable. Call. This is you know? oh that's Michelle. Michelle, do it. Unbelievable. No, what a performance. One will never forget. Exactly. <laughs> I love when Michelle does Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> that's like my favorite part. Oh, I thought you were really gonna say Singletary with a blitz to the lead. No. <laughs> no. Damn it. All right. Larry, we have we have taken up way more than I intended to, oh. but we it's just been phenomenal. But will you stick around and, and do um do, go over the Delmar stakes this weekend with Michelle and I? Yeah, I guess so. Why not? All right, let's take a quick break. We're gonna take literally a quick break and we'll come right back. Midnight storm, striking sire line, grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile, just like champion freshman sire American Pharaoh. Striking speed, 110 by 133 and 1. Seven time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Defeated 10 grade one winners, including champion Accelerate. Midnight Storm, a tailor made stallion. Look for his first yearlings this year. And we're back here in the horse ownership experience. Larry Colmus, kind enough to join us. Stick around. He's, we're going to talk about some Delmar stakes. Michelle, what were you? You had a crush on Mike Smith? Uh, yeah, when I was growing up, like, because I loved Holy Bull, and I was like, look at how cute his jockey is. So I had the biggest crush on Mike Smith, and I remember when I started working for TVG one night, uh, my boss was like, okay, we're going to go to dinner, and there's going to be a special guest for you. And I was like, who? And it was Mike Smith, and I, like, couldn't eat half of my dinner because I was in <laughs> awe um, at the time. And he still, Mike still teases me about that to this day, but we were talking about it a couple, maybe, like, right before COVID started, so beginning of the year, end of last year. And I was talking about Holy Bull and, you know, I just don't, I don't have any memorabilia anymore. And he goes, uh, we were talking about this particular shirt that I used to have. And it's like a drawing of him, like a peb caricature. And he's has his like devil horns and his angels wings. And he's blowing out smoke. Yeah, and Mike's like, I have one of those. I'll give it to you. Oh, and wow. he brought it for me the next day. So I still have that. So I was like, this is amazing. So that's my like favorite piece of memorabilia is like a Holy Bull drawn t-shirt from Mike Smith. Uh, I have a couple friends that Holy Bull was their favorite horse as well. He's, I think he he's one of those. Best. I think he's one of those. Just, I, I know, you know, I listen to some of these podcasts where they say underrated, properly rated, or overrated. I, Holy Bull might have been underrated. Super underrated. You know, the thing was too is he had the cool story, right? Like when Kroll, his owner, died, she left him to him in his will. I mean, right. it was like a whole Cinderella story. He he was really cool too uh, because like when that was my first year at Monmouth. And he was the first Haskell I called. The first grade one winner I ever called was Holy Bull. And uh, and I remember we would go back to the barn uh, and stand outside the shed row. And, and Holy Bull would be like in his stall in the back. And you would just say, hey, Bull. And he would come charging up to the front like, wow. who is calling me? That's you know, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's very cool. <laughs> he, yeah, he was cool, and I, I got a chance to to go see him at Darley uh, a couple of times before he passed away, and it was it was really neat to. Uh, he he was still like super uh, like nasty, and and you know, I would give him a, a carrot. He was twenty six years old. Gave him a carrot. And he comes charging after me, looking for carrots two, three, and four. It's like, come on, buddy, you better, you better bring more than that. Right? Do you and, know uh, who I am? Yeah, he, he knew who he was, you know, and and he and he was really special to to a, a bunch of people. He was definitely my fave. I think he's, oh, you I know, and that. that's. It, it, it's stuff we talk about on this show all the time, Larry, because normally, obviously, we have owners on. It's called the Horse Ownership Experience. But I think that's what kind of keeps us all all going are these 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 horses that, that I don't think people who are outside of our business realize how much they mean to us and how, you know, I'm looking in my, in my little office that I'm sitting in right now. I have a picture of John Henry, Kona Gold, mm-hmm. Singletary, Telly's Pop. Like this is not only was that my childhood, but it's my adult life, basically. You know, it's and it and and it, it just I, I don't really know how to put it into words, even though I'm usually this is my soapbox time, as Michelle calls it. But it really is true. And when you come on and start talking about Marshall Cassidy and all these things, this is this is who we grew up with. And I just think it, it shows how special this sport is. Oh, for sure. You know, I I grew up in the 80s for the most part, you know, and, and just all those different guys, the different announcers, the different horses. I, I remember John Henry's last race was on my 18th birthday, the Ballantine Scotch Classic at the Meadowlands. Yep. And uh, when Dave Johnson uh, called him the old man, uh, you know, <laughs> making his move on the outside, here comes the old man in the middle of the track, and he's flying! And down the stretch they come! Yeah. Awesome. And it was so, so great, you know, and... Uh, uh, you know all those horses back in the '80s and then the, in the '90s uh, that I started getting to call. Then it got to be even more fun because I got to actually start calling these big horses. You know, so uh, but but in the '80s, just listening to other guys call them and, and watching them run, especially especially Holy Bull and, and horses like that, it was just a blast. Yep. Unbelievable. Michelle, we have a huge weekend coming up at Del Mar. It's the Del Mar Turf Festival. Del Mar does sponsor our show, so I feel we, we need to just kind of go quickly through some of these races. And uh, thanks for Larry for sticking around. Maybe he'll give his, his two cents. Although, you don't bet, do you? Very, You don't bet. Hardly at all. Right. Hardly at all. You know, I, I, I have to say I'm not the, uh, not the greatest handicapper in the world, although I, I did kick Ray Pollock's butt the other day. And the, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> believe, I crushed him this summer, too. It's not really a big deal. I hope Ray's listening. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are, everyone can play against Ray, dmtc.com forward slash contest. It's free every day, and they're giving away tickets to the Breeders' Cup. And you're, you, you host that thing. I do host that thing. Yeah, Michelle's the host. I know, Larry's been on the show twice. All right, Michelle, do you want me to just re- reel off? I have it in I front mean, of me. We, so we're going to start with Thursday. It's red carpet. Yeah, red carpet, grade three, mound three, ace four, fillies and mares. And the morning line favorite is The question Blaine is Debbie. Chad Brown or not Chad Brown? Well, what, he's not even the favorite. I, oh, he is the favorite. Chad Brown. I'm sorry. Yeah, five to two. Or, Orglandis. Larry, how are you going to say this? Orglandis. Yeah, I was going to look that one up. Uh, I haven't I haven't done that yet. I'm thinking it might be... Uh, or gland with the uh, the silent s at the end, but I, I have think to. You're right, I think I'm yeah, a moron it's... because it is French. Or gland. Yeah. Maybe I think it's, it's or gland. It's actually a German war cemetery. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know how to. I, I did find that much out, but I didn't get to the how to pronounce it thing. So it's. Well, she's five to two. I don't know if you ever heard of this guy who's coming in to ride. His name is Irad Ortiz Jr. He's no. pretty good, Larry. 
Oh, is he? Is yeah. He? Uh, yeah I call, I've called him a few times. Uh, oh, I have, a, I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. We have new whip rules in California. Oh, yeah. Do you think these guys from the East Coast, how are they? I mean, they haven't ridden here before. Uh, there's three, three guys coming in. It's uh, Manny Franco, Irad, and Rosario. Right. Uh, Rosario is not a big whip guy anyway, but um, do you think it's going to be interesting how they're going to adapt? I think so. Uh, that's a really good point, which I, I hadn't thought of. But, uh, you know, Irad Ortiz is a, is a guy that is a, he's a, is a strong whip rider, you know, um, and uh, so he's going to have to he's going to have to change the way he the way he uh, handles the whip uh, here at Del Mar. And uh, it'll be interesting. I assume the stewards will sit down with those guys and and discuss all the rules with them just to make what sure they're gonna, that they're what they're going to tell them is uh, none of this. I'll just take the fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could do that too. Right? Yeah. Because uh, so, that's not fair. Orgland, we're calling it. Is that what we've decided? Orgland? For now. Okay. How about Blame Debbie? That's an easier one. Blame yeah, Debbie. Good. She's the uh, second choice at three to one for uh, Eclipse, Shippers. Graham Motion, Manny Franco. That's on Thursday. What do we have on Friday, Michelle? On Friday, we have the Hollywood Turf Cup, grade two, mile and a half on the turf. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a little guy in there. One of Larry's favorites. One of my favorite calls. Oh, boy. Red, Red King, King to the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> uh, Red King, he, he comes back from the Breeders' Cup. He goes from post three. We don't have morning lines yet. A um, couple of interesting shippers in here, Michelle and Larry. Uh, Lacario, am I saying that one right? Do we think? Grand Motion? Lacario? Are you also running your other horse? No, no, no. He runs an okay. allowance race on, okay. on Saturday. Um, that race is for a tag, race, isn't he? Yeah, it, the turf cup is really good. It's I mean, really good. Arklo comes in for Brad Cox. He gets Rosario. He's got to be the favorite, I would think. I would think. I think he's going to be the favorite. Lacario will get bad. Phil D'Amato, uh, he's running four in here, and he's yeah. running Red King. He runs Acclimate, who actually, I believe he won this race. Uh, he did in, back in 2019. He makes his first start since November of 19. Gregorian Chant. And he also runs Say the Word, who just won the Grade One Northern Dancer at Woodbine. By so, the way, how about Phil D'Amato off the year layoff into a mile and a half graded stake? I mean, he likes this stuff. He makes it happen. And I, I watched Acclimate work the other day. I wouldn't sell this horse short, especially because he has speed in a race usually where they don't, you know, they, they kind of dawdle around there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, much speed in this race at all. No, uh, you know, he's he's going to be setting it, I would think, and. And uh, you know if, if if Tyler Bays is able to to ratchet out that speed and and, and keep him uh, keep him going, it could be, it could be an interesting uh, could be an interesting race if there's no pace at all. But I, I don't think they'll allow that to happen. He'll he'll get some pressure. You know, Phil said something interesting to me yesterday. He said a mile and a half races are much different than mile and three eighths races, even though it's only an extra uh, eighth of a mile. He said you really have to be patient uh, with some with your horses coming from behind, and you want to be the the last the last run. I watched last year's race just now. Oscar Dominguez beat uh, United. They were both they were both you know last and second to last turning for home. Uh, and then the year before was uh, Chicago Style. Remember that horse, Michelle? Um, yeah, the Proctor horse, and he yep. was last too. So seems like you probably do want a horse that uh, is going to come off the pace in here, even with the expected slower pace. Michelle, what do we have on uh, Saturday? So Saturday, we start with the Jimmy Durante for two-year-old Phillies going a mile on the grass. 
Yeah, interesting race because you don't really have uh, the, you don't have anything to really go on here, right? Because these horses right. are young. Yeah, Pizzazz, who was really Pizzazz, impressive. Yeah. But Chad Brown brings in this is an easy one for you. How about fluffy socks, Larry? <laughs> yeah, fluffy socks. That's, <laughs> you can that's, have uh, that's Irad's mount in, in there. I mean, that, that horse just barely lost in a, a stake over soft ground at uh, at Belmont, and uh, you know, but ran ran pretty big, ran a big number in that race, and uh, I. And it'll be interesting to see, like you said, there's not a whole lot to go on in here. But the thing I thought that was really cool is that we have three graded stakes races on Saturday and everyone drew a full field, which I, which you don't see anymore. You know, they're all like grass, <laughs> grass. <laughs> you know? so. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right. And I think it is it, one of the reasons is this turf festival is really exciting is because it's kind of the last turf big races of the year um as you know you know churchill stopped with the grass uh woodbine unfortunately was shut down due to covid but they were already done with their grass aqueduct probably will be done soon so other than when we start up santa anita the day after christmas this is this is your last shot so i think a lot of people also you know take chances and know that their horses are going to get a mini break anyway um race seven is the sea biscuit grade two uh, Michelle and Larry, both, this is an interesting race. Full field and a bunch of really good horses. I mean, we're not talking grade one horses, maybe. A bunch of allowance horses trying to make the grade here. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at a horse uh, like uh, uh, Phil, Phil runs this. Shares. What's that? I, well, how about, I mean, I think that the Baltus horse won Bad Boy looks great. Yeah, and he won the, didn't he win the, uh, he won the big he race won at the, Woodbine. Yep, he won the Queen's Plate. The Queen's Plate. And so then we have a Queen's you have Plate Bowie's winner. Hero, Bowie's Hero. Class for D'Amato. Yeah, he's won a grade Sh one. Obviously, Chad Shipton. Well, next shares has won a grade one because he won that race at Keeneland. Larry, most and he won the Sea Biscuit last year. Larry, most of these horses who uh, uh, come in from back east, Chad Brown, Motion, um, those are the two main ones that are coming in. Do you do you give them a, just a little bit of an advantage coming out here to the West Coast? You know, I, I don't know about that. Uh, the the West Coast, the West Coast horses. You know, maybe the grass horses here aren't quite as good as the ones back there. But it, we've got some awfully good ones out here, and uh, you know, like a horse like Spirit Animals, just kind of an allowance horse. So I, I guess you'll be able to tell, you know, going from an allowance race to a, a graded stakes race, you know, what the comparison will be. The horse will get bet because he's Chad Brown. Sure. You know. So, but uh, I don't think he's necessarily those horses have to win i, I you know it, it, it is interesting like how many horses phil d'amato has in these races and and he could kind of use that to his advantage uh you know of course if you have different owners he can't really you know set things up too much like that but but you you also have the advantage of trying to stay out of each other's way sure you know? so sure. Uh, i think that that could be uh that could be an edge to to some of these uh some, some of the these local horses yeah I think the most interesting race possibly of the weekend, and we don't we haven't drawn the matriarch. We can talk about that. That's on Sunday. But the Hollywood Derby, the Grade One Hollywood Derby, will be run Saturday afternoon. It's the ninth race, mile and an eighth on the grass for straight three year olds, and and this field to me is one of the most evenly matched, solid field. I think if I could go through this, I could pretty much make a case for any of these horses. Obviously, the ones that are going to get the most attention are domestic spending. For Chad Brown and I, Rad Ortiz, he won the Saratoga Dar uh, Derby earlier in the year. Decorated Invader for Christoph Clement uh, and Rosario. He is a grade two stakes winner. Um, and, and, Goofo. And also Goofo for, for Clement also, who will get Pratt. Uh, he's won. Oh, he's only won five of seven, and he won the Belmont 
Derby uh, distance, no problem for any of these horses. In fact, it might be a disadvantage at the mile and an eighth because I think these all, all three of these really prefer further distances. But they're probably going to be the top three choices. Is there one of those horses, Larry, that kind of stands out to you? I, I think that they're they're all pretty pretty solid in in there, and I I think Gufo is is probably the one that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, I just you wonder whether the mile and an eighth might be too short for him. But he did win, you know, at a mile and an eighth of Delaware uh, in a, a pretty good field back then. I mean, that the whole race is just like full of horses that have been running against each other. And I, I think it's just going to be a, a wild, fun race to call. Uh, you know, smooth like straight is it certainly, you know, you got to respect him. And, and uh, you guys only got beat uh, a length and a half with Scarto by him. So, yeah. I mean, what do you think of this plan? I'm going to run this plan by both of you. So we have Scarto in there. Uh, yeah. He won two back-to-back races at Del Mar this summer, and then he ran a second, as Larry just mentioned, to Smooth Like Straight, who had a perfect trip. We didn't have a great trip that day. I don't know if we would have beat him. It might have been closer. That That's all in the past. But you know what? Manny Franco rides in my plan. I'm running this by both of you. What about this? Just follow Smooth Like Straight. Yeah. <laughs> what about that? I mean, is that Michelle? You're laughing, but I'm serious. Like he has speed. There's not a ton of speed in there. Rispoli has been, you know, we all know how good Rispoli is on the grass, and we break right outside of him. Like, wouldn't it be great to just say to Manny Franco, "Hey, follow Attach him. Attach yourself to his hip. Yeah. When he yeah. where when he goes, you go. You know what I mean? Something like that. Because I don't know if we have the this the kick to hold off a horse like a decorated invader or a goofo or a domestic spending. See, I would only alter that plan a tiny bit. Yeah, what would you I do? would Okay, so I would say break. If you want to sit outside smooth like straight, do it. Try to move right before Rispoli moves. Because if you can be in full flight before Rispoli is and, like, get the advantage get the on him. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, we'll all see what happens uh, uh, in the last race, the ninth race, on Saturday. Sunday, we don't have the draw, but the Matriarch's going to be a great race. Larry, do you have any insight on, on who might be coming to the Matriarch for the grade one? Uh, not off the top of my head. I, I'm sort of waiting, you know, until the overnight comes out and uh, – and then kind of uh, attacking it from there. So there, there's so many other great races that uh, yeah. sort of take it day by day. I know? think Sharing is coming out uh, right. for Grand Motion. She uh, won the Juvenile Phillies last year. She's the three-year-old taking on her olders. I have heard uh, Jolie Olympica will be back for Richard Mandela. Juliet Foxtrot, who's a graded stakes winner. Um, Viadera for Chad Brown, I believe. Newspaper of Record is coming really? out. Yep. Wow. Uh, um, I th- th- this is a, you know, we, like I said, we don't draw till Thursday, but uh, this is going to be a very, very salty rendition of the Grade One Matriarch uh, on Sunday at Del Mar. Um, Michelle, I think that's it. I think we Woo. did it all. Yeah. Larry. Yeah. You good? I, mean, I, I think okay. so. I, think I have one more. It. I have one more thing. This is <laughs> this is the last one. Then we'll let you go. Okay. Okay. Michelle Larry's and I like, get in a I'm fight. Never now, on the show again. No, Larry's coming on every time. What are you talking about? He's having <laughs> so much fun right now. He's starving. I'm sure it's past his lunchtime. Um, yeah, I'm going to get Roberto's pretty soon. Oh, God, don't talk about Roberto's. When I get <laughs> um, all right, Michelle and I have a fight every year about Saratoga versus Del Mar. Okay. Um, and truthfully, it's not really fair because you didn't really get to experience the Del Mar Del Mar because of COVID. But right. try to try to imagine what it's like with 40,000 people there and how much fun it might be. And then kind of compare and contrast the Del Mar versus Saratoga. All right. So let's start with they're both awesome. 
but they're nothing like each other. Um, Saratoga is dressy for the most part, you know, the, the box seats and all, everybody's got to have their, their jackets on and it's got to be, a, and of course it's like 95 degrees and, and humid, uh, you know, <laughs> sitting in those boxes with the jackets on. But then in the back of the place, you've got all these people that, you know, get there at seven in the morning and bring their lawn chairs and everything and, and stake out their places all over the track. And I, I mean, it, it's just such a, such a unique experience and you you walk through those gates and it's like these these hallowed grounds uh that you you've got that feel every time you walk through the gates at, at saratoga um delmar is just kind of more like fun you know it's it's like the place where everybody loves to go and you know bet on the races uh have a few drinks uh socialize have a have a good old time and 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 then when the races are over you, you've got you know, you go on and to restaurants and, and go on and, and to the beach or whatever, different things where Saratoga is sort of like horse racing 24-7. You know, everybody wants to go to the workouts in the morning and then, you know, they go to the races in the afternoon and then they handicap at night, you know. It's like, right. It's, it's like never ending, you know. <laughs> Whereas at, at uh, you know, at, at Del Mar, it's like, okay, and I think Mac McBride from Del Mar said this best. He says, Saratoga is 24-7 horse racing. Del Mar is horse racing in that in the afternoon, and then we do other stuff. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I think that was actually a good analysis, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. I think and it was very good. It was so political. Yeah. But he has but, uh, to be. I mean, I'm not gonna ask him to pick pick Del Mar. Pick Del Mar. I mean, yeah. I mean anyway, obviously pick Saratoga. Right, Don't be right silly. Now, I, uh, you know, the, the other thing that comes into play is, you know you know, who, who do you work for? So I, I'd say Del Mar, you know, yeah, obviously <laughs> let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Larry Colmas. Thank you so much for spending the time today here on the horse ownership experience. We appreciate it. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Taylor made stallions, Del Mar, Santa Anita. And thanks to Michelle, you who has to put up with me, uh, constantly every week. We really appreciate it all again. I know I said at the top of the show, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Stay safe, be good. Enjoy your family if you can. And, uh, we'll, we'll try to catch up next week. We'll have a bunch of stakes to go through and we'll, We'll catch up with one of the winning owners hopefully next week here in the Horse Ownership Experience. Larry, thank you. Thank you, guys. So a lot of fun being on with you and uh, look forward to doing it again one day. Thanks. Michelle, where's your bye? Bye. Bye, everybody. You're listening to the Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Daddy Longlegs, Scat Daddy's only proven son at stud in North America. Crowned champion freshman sire in Chile, Daddy Longlegs has already sired three graded stakes winners from his first two crops of runners, including a champion two-year-old Colt. A talented runner himself who won multiple graded stakes on multiple surfaces, he's passing that versatility onto his progeny with stakes winners on dirt and turf. Daddy Longlegs, a tailor-made stallion. Call today to book.